Hi, and welcome to Eat My Words, a twice-monthly Arizona Highways podcast that celebrates Arizona's unique culinary culture. I'm your host, Kelly Vaughn. For this episode of Eat My Words, I'm pleased to introduce Chef Brett Vibber of The Table at Junipine Resort in Oak Creek Canyon. Chef, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you're no stranger to Eat My Words. You were actually our first guest. Yep. But a lot has changed since episode one. Why don't you talk us through a couple of things, both your move to Oak Creek Canyon and this big uh, James Beard nomination? Yeah, you know, I probably touched on it before, but, you know, I'd had Cartwrights in Cave Creek for a long time. And the idea in kind of late 2019 was to close it down and find something more kind of centralized where around where we forage and, you know, a smaller restaurant, a smaller kitchen where just Jaron and I could get back to cooking. And as luck had it, we rolled on into 2020 and, you know, we just decided we'd do some different things for a couple of years and branch off. And we were able to help a lot of people in different situations. So, you know, later last year, or early last year, we kind of got back to looking as to where we could get back with four walls around us. And we ended up talking to the folks at Junipine and, you know, they'd always envision that they could have you know, one of the better restaurants in Arizona there just because of the location. They just, you know, never could find quite the right person to work with. You know, it's kind of hard to attract someone usually with bigger city accolades. A lot of times chefs like being in big cities. They like, you know, that you get that mindset of that's where all the traffic is and that's where everyone's coming through. And I just always thought if it didn't matter where we put the restaurant, as long as it was good and we stayed true to our hearts and to what we said and what we believed in that that it would work really wherever you wanted it and so we started you know really thinking about wine country and in in oak creek and whatnot and it's just it turned out to be a a great plan like you said six months in uh, we got nominated for james beard award last week for best chefs in the southwest and so you know that was that was a surprise but more optimism in your decision that that okay we can be out here in the middle of our you know, foraging lands and we don't have to be in Old Town Scottsdale or we don't have to be in downtown Phoenix. We don't have to follow any of the trends because we never really have anyways in the first place. I I prefer to just march to this beat in my head that I've got going. Yeah. And I think that so much of, you know, the menus that you create are so focused on the Arizona landscape itself. And that has to be something that the foundation recognized too. You mentioned before we started recording that today is the first day of the season, the foraging season, I presume. Talk our listeners through what types of things you're looking for, where you're going to look for them, and how they inform your menu. Different things all the time. I always tell everyone Arizona is so geographically diverse. It's it's truly my favorite thing about this state is if I want to be in the pine trees, I can be in the pine trees. If I want to be in snow, I can be in snow. If I want to be in shorts and sandals and hike up you know one of the desert peaks then you know january is the time to do it in arizona and it's just i really and the food follows that just the same so you know our higher elevations right now really aren't producing much because if anyone's paid attention to northern arizona it's just covered and covered and covered in snow uh but uh you know the desert is not covered in snow and it's been receiving tons of rain we're a bit early to be honest but you know, I'm sitting out with a t-shirt and shorts in the desert right now. And so like the first things of the year, we're going to start collecting like today we're going for barrel cactus fruit and there's a lot of wild 
different wild greens starting to come up. Lamb's quarters, amaranth, wild mustards, just a variety of types and a bunch of different families of dock or wild rhubarb, sometimes people call it. And that'll kind of, you know, things flush, you know, we'll start finding things in these lower elevations and kind of chase them up in elevation as the next couple months go on. As it's getting hotter down here and warmer up in the mountains, you do find a lot of things that do cross over from different geographic regions. Today, we're about to do a menu change and we, you know, kind of have some feel for the seasons or what we can do seasonally with different ingredients when we do have them, even if they're different times of the year. But we're about to do a menu change and we know that barrel cactus fruit is really abundant right now across the, you know, northern stretches of the desert. That'll be our big focus today. In the desert, I think you and I actually were just talking about it. In the desert, when it rains, I know I'm going foraging soon. Yeah. It's never going to stay cold. Even if it's 30 degrees at nighttime, it's going to be 70 degrees that it, during the daytime the next day. And and that's really kind of good, you know, growing conditions for the desert. I'm sitting here on my property and I live in New River and it's green. It looks like Ireland. It's it's awesome. And it, like I said, as we find things, I, I know there's a ton of wild mustard greens right now. So we're definitely going to introduce a dish that focuses on it, you know, in even if it's just for a couple of weeks, which it won't be. But even if it's just for a couple of weeks, you've got something that highlights something really specific to Arizona and its hyper seasonality. And for me, it's exciting, especially getting together with the guys out foraging is, is usually when you'd start really cranking away on ideas of like, how do you think this would work? And how do you guys think this would work? And, and then you get back in the kitchen. By the time you get back in the kitchen, you know, you've thought about it for hours and hours and something gets made. Yeah. And you and Jaron have been, Jaron Bates, who is your business partner and, and a chef and, he is nominated with you for the James yep. Beard Award. Talk to us about how you guys collaborate and what your process is like and maybe a little bit of your history. Yeah. I mean, we met 17 years ago. We were opening all the Roca Core locations and the Scottsdale one was the first one. You know, we both kind of advanced through that company in different ways. And he was my sous chef there in Chicago. And then for years at Cartwright, it's kind of where we started this, you know, concept or at least the idea of this concept. He was a sous chef again when we'd closed Cartwrights. It didn't really make sense for us to stay not as equals when mm-hmm. he was bringing as much to the table, you know, with our new business as I was. So it, it just grew into that over the course of time. And, you know, there's a lot of times that freaks a lot of people out and we find humor in it, but we don't end up talking a lot about it. It, it, it. A dish seems to naturally organically come together. We both have been together for so long and worked with the same products and love the same products that, you know, it's usually a couple elements of a dish that he might create and I might create and and they, they go together well, or it might just be things, you know, we spent years in Japanese cuisine where you're really just making a lot of ingredients to be able to put together on a whim to create a, a number of different dishes, even with, you know, eight ingredients, I can create hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dishes. So we get to that point where, you know, he's maybe made a nice sauce and like, oh my God, that would taste really good on the hush puppies that I was making. And, you know, the dish just starts building from there. And like I said, there's, there's a lot of discussion probably of that, not of dishes per se and composed things to be made up, but, but things you're being inspired by as you're gathering out in the wilds. Sure. And I'm going to switch gears here because last year you were a contestant on a Food Network show called yep. Big Restaurant Bet. Yeah. What were your takeaways from that experience? What'd you learn? I learned that reality TV is not very realistic. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I got a lot of good things from the show. You know what I mean? It, it, at first, I think I was probably telling people like, nah, I didn't really like that. I didn't really care for it. I've always resisted the Food Network and shows like Chopped and Guy's Grocery. I made a lot of passes on on offers to be on those shows because I always think it it's never showcasing a chef and their unique abilities. And when Food Network asked me to come on Big Restaurant Bet, it was different. They were looking for eight unique chefs across the country that were looking and or developing their own concept. And so, uh, you know, you look at Top Chef and they tell them what to cook, you know, oh, cook me something gourmet out of this vending machine and you have $2.75. I'm like, well, that's not right. That's not realistic. It's just a game at that point. So it wasn't it wasn't realistic. Whereas this show, we were bringing our concept. We were going to pitch it to the judges. We were bringing our own menu. I brought my own ingredients, but you were able to use whatever you wanted. Just no, no one knew where to get any of my ingredients to provide for me. So I just asked <laughs> if I could bring my own. And everyone agreed that that would be a much, much better idea. It was really fun getting through TSA with all kinds of unlabeled powders and such. It was <laughs> one of the more interesting flights of my career. But a lot of good takeaways from it at the end. One, they'd never had anyone like me on Food Network. There'd never been wild food people. There's never been forager people. And two, I got to, on an international audience, get my point out there to the world. And so whether I was going to win, lose, or draw, the game side of it, it didn't It didn't take anything away from, you know, me being able to have Ramona Farms products right there. Right. For me, that that's a win already because maybe that drives more business to them. And, and, you know, there's still a small family owned business at the end of the day. And maybe, maybe something little that you're not directly involved with can totally change the trajectory of a small family business. So even if something like that were to happen, then, then that's a feather in my cap because that's what, that's what I'm all about. That's what it is. I think all about to be part of your community and source local is not, not just to buy from someone local, but to really care and want to support them in any way, shape or form. So we got to do that on, on food network. And, and like I said, it, the game part, yes, I didn't win the game part, but I did have a good time. I met great people. I still talk to most of the contestants on a weekly basis and different, you know, people that were involved with it. It's, it was a huge undertaking you know we shot it during the pandemic and there was all kinds of rules and stipulations and in at the end like i said i, I think i came away from it at first thinking like nah i get that yeah, not you know not really for me and the more time you have to sit and actually reflect on it and things that it's actually has done for us now in the last year or so since it since it aired that it brought a lot of opportunities my way that i might not have had otherwise so i'm, I'm grateful for it you are a dad. You have yep. three children and the littlest one is still pretty little. But how do you incorporate them into your foraging, your meal planning? You know, how do they kind of motivate what you're doing at the table? Well, what's nice is, you know, when we do have off time and this was the way my family was growing up as well as when we did have off time, we were still out in the wilds. We were still going on an off-road trip. We were still going fishing. We were still going to the lake. We were still going camping or backpacking or hunting, whatever it may be. So, you know, in my off time, which I am today, it's what I love doing. It's it, I, I love feeling a connection with nature. I, nothing is more... I tell people often when I moved back from Chicago, I'd been there five years. In the last winter, it was just god awful miserable and i think i moved back in like late february and my wife and i just rented an apartment because we didn't know where we wanted a house we didn't know quite what we were doing we just knew we wanted to get out of chicago and i found myself just laying next to the pool 
some days, even though it was February, just soaking up the sun, kind of it's hitting me the same way right now. It's hard to explain that feeling to people that maybe haven't felt it or or haven't felt you know, don't feel it and on an on a constant basis. It really uh you know, changed my life. Leaving the corporate world was to focus on the kids more, uh, to have the ability to say like, hey, I know it's a Saturday, but we have a good team and I'm not going to be here. Where, you know, as a younger, maybe more egotistical driven chef, you're like, I have to be there. I have to be there. You know, now it's having faith in a team that that actually is the way to get it done and things like that, where I'm really glad that we're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. That's turned out big. That's, you know, even though there's school for the older ones, it still has turned into, you know, full days and evenings with them. And same thing, they like coming to the property now where, you know, Miles is my middle one. He's nine and he grew up at Cartwrights, you know, his first four or five years of his life that those were, you know, his memories get out of school on a Friday and hang out till dad goes home on Friday night and come back all day on Saturday. And when I went and showed them all around the property before we'd taken over, he said, dad, this is a lot cooler than Cartwright's parking lot. I said, yeah, I mean, you got a creek running right through, you know, a nice little resort and there's green stuff. And he's like, I can ride my dirt bike and I can fish. And, and so it's the same thing. Like they can still come to work with me, but they're not, they don't have to be stuck in a kitchen or anything like that. If they don't want to, my oldest, you know, started middle school this year and came home beaming when she was allowed to sign up for clubs. And we said, well, what clubs did you sign up for? And she said, gardening and cooking. And we said, huh, all right. You know, so at Junipine, we have a gardener that does all of our edibles. And rather than a huge garden right now planted, it's kind of all throughout the property that we can harvest different things. So, you know, Mackenzie, like spending time in the kitchen and spending time, you know, with Sarah, the gardener. And I think I've found a better, it's still a very demanding job. It's a demanding industry and definitely keeps you away when, when other people, you know, are off doing, you know, fun or traditional things you know i don't know that we've had thanksgiving on thanksgiving very many times over the course of their life but but it you know it's kind of always been the thing of like this is when we're doing it so this is our family and that's all that matters is this is our you know our day together if thanksgiving was yesterday then ours is today so i mean it it takes a lot for a family to understand in this business same same thing as you know i was talking about big cities there's a lot of chefs that don't have families because it just doesn't lend itself to that very well a lot of the times and I'm fortunate enough to have a wife that holds down just every aspect of our lives, especially when I'm when I'm not here. And luckily, you know, now I am home more often than not. Last year, last year, I think I was reminded that I was gone more than I was home. A restaurant's always going to be demanding, but it's less demanding than, you know, being off on some kind of contract or consult or something for three months at a time. So, you know, we've always found a way to work it out my wife grew up in restaurants so she understands the sacrifices i suppose but i still think she's something else for dealing with it for sure on that perfect bite chef brett Weber of the table at judah pine resort thanks so much for joining us thanks for having me get out there go forage yes i am <laughs> for more information about the table at judah pine resort visit junapine.com sedona hyphen dining for more information about Arizona Highways, visit ArizonaHighways.com. This and all episodes produced by Sarah Heater. Until next time, eat my words.